You join us on our perch at the far end of the bar. He's Ben. He is Richard. And just before you joined us, we were talking about breathing apparatus. And whenever you watch the news and there's a big fire, they always use that line, don't they? Firefighters using breathing apparatus. Yes. And I dare say this, these days, it's pretty sophisticated stuff. I was thinking about this. I don't know why I think about some of the things that I think about. I was thinking about this the other day. And I was thinking, where does this come from? Where do, who, was, who was the man, you know, like that thing that we've, we've talked about before, who was the first person to look at a cow and think, mm. I wonder what that white stuff tastes like. Yeah. And then the, discovering that it was a bull they were looking at instead of a cow. What happens if I suck on this? <laughs> if I pull that, what comes out? I know, but in the same way that, that all these things must have that, that thought that sparks everything, breathing apparatus must have come from somewhere. Mm. Charles and John Dean, those oh. were the fellas, um, they witnessed a fire in some stables in England, and I can't be more specific than that because I don't have the locale. Back in 1820, smart guys, creative streak. They had that inventor's gene about them. Um, so what the fire did was to inspire them to design and patent a smoke helmet. A smoke helmet? Yeah, to be used by firemen in smoke-filled areas. I'm pretty sure I saw some students using a smoke helmet for something rather different. I think you'll find that was a bomb. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the, the, the full head bomb. This was, uh, this was back in 1823. The apparatus comprised a copper helmet with an attached flexible collar and garment. A long leather hose was attached to the rear of the helmet, which was used to supply air, of course. And the original concept was that it would be pumped by a couple of people on double bellows. Ooh. Short pipe allowed breathing air or breathed air to escape, and the garment was made of leather or airtight cloth secured by straps. Hmm. Again, websites are available. Yeah. Um, the brothers, they were smart, but a lot of smart people don't have that marketing acumen, do they? The business nouse. No, how to go and get the money. They needed a dragon in their den. Mm. Um, so what they did was they, they sold the patent to their employer, a fellow called Edward Barnard. By 1827, the first smoke helmets were built, not by them, but by a German-born engineer called Augustus Sieb. Mm. Now, I'd like to say that these were smart guys, and they spotted another use for the helmet, and they did. Deep right. sea diving. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds very much similar to the, the old-fashioned deep-sea divers. This is, this is where it all comes from. Yeah. They marketed the helmet with a loosely attached diving suit so that the diver could perform salvage work, but only in the vertical position. So he had to be standing up, so he was lowered down, and then he would walk along the seabed. And they went, went off from, set sail from Whitstable mm. to trial this new underwater apparatus. Do you say apparatus or apparatus? I think I say apparatus, but that doesn't mean Good that's man. how it should be said. In that case, I shall say apparatus. <laughs> Establishing the, di the diving industry in the town of Whitstable, 1834, Charles used his diving suit in a successful attempt on the wreck of the Royal George at Spithead. That sounds very romantic. He recovered 28 of the ship's cannon, put them in his pocket, went back, went back up to the surface. In 1836, John Dean, his brother, recovered... 
items from the Mary Rose. Did he? Did you just say he put twenty-eight cannons in his pocket? Yeah, I know. I was joking. You know, remember jokes? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I was in fact mode then, and you thought I was serious. He put twenty-eight cannons in his pocket. He had a very big pocket. Look, the geezer's designed a deep sea diving suit. Who knows if he designed a pocket big enough for twenty-eight cannons? Meanwhile, John Dean, his brother, with a smaller pocket, went discovering things on the Mary Rose and came back up with timbers and guns and longbows and other items as well. Uh, and, and by 1836, the Dean brothers had produced the world's first diving manual, mm. uh, snippily titled Methods of Using Dean's Patent Diving Apparatus. Have you ever been diving? Um, only... Um... With the snorkel, snorkeling. Oh, snorkeling! Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The place to go snorkeling is is anywhere warm, mm. warm, clear water, um, which probably means that off the coasts of the UK, it's not necessarily the best snorkeling seas. No, I went off um, Cornwall. It was, did it you? was beautiful. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, but well, when we did it, um, we went looking for beautiful coloured fish in the Caribbean. We were very lucky. We were on honeymoon. It, you know, yeah, it, it, it was the thing to do, a romantic thing. Um, and uh, we were offered all kinds of different activities, none of which really interested us, because we were on our honeymoon, for goodness <laughs> sake. And that meant leaving the cabin. But uh, we did go snorkelling, uh, and we did take up the uh, chance of learning how to scuba. Okay. That's with all the gear, isn't it? All the gear with the tanks and everything, which we did in the hotel pool. So you learn in the hotel pool, and then later in the holiday you'd go out and um, go. You you fall backwards off a boat mm. into the sea, and that's the way they do it with the flippers on and everything. And then you go proper scubing. Um, but I, I can't remember. I know we did the thing in the pool, and we did a couple of days of that, and it was great fun. But I can't remember actually going out on a little boat and falling backwards into the sea with me flippers on. Well, surely you'd remember that. Well... In the Caribbean. I'm getting old. Well... But going back to the... the sorry, uh, sorry, hold on. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a gap, I admit, but you know. I don't need your pity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back to the snorkeling, which I, I do remember very well, we, we, we swam out some way to a coral reef and we were told we're not you weren't allowed to stand on the reef mm. so you had to you had to swim out it was about a quarter of a mile out uh, beautiful calm seas beautiful clear water colorful fish uh, and then you got out to the to the reef and it was just the most stunning thing that you can I imagine bet. it yeah. was just glorious i would love to do that but later on in that holiday um we were we were on our own in a little bay and uh, just snorkeling around. And I trod on a sea urchin. Ooh, mama! That's the one. <laughs> on the pain scale, it was definitely an old mama. I bet. Uh, the, I didn't really know what I'd done at the time. I thought I'd just scratched my heel on a rock or something. Mm. But it was, it was only a couple of days later when I was limping around the pool that the pool guy came running over talking to me in Spanish, and my Spanish is poor. I can is order it? a beer, and that's about it, mm -hmm. uh, and say hello. And, that, and that's about it. But he knew exactly what was going on. 
So he made the internationally recognised sign for sit there, I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> and uh, ran off and then came back with a bottle of white rum. Okay. And I thought, oh, I've got a new mate. We're going to have mm. a drink. No, he sat me down, uh, lifted my foot, poured rum all over it. And then started sucking your toes. <laughs> <laughs> Do I look like the Duchess of York? <laughs> no, I did then. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got my foot in the air. He's poured rum all over it. And he whips out this eight-inch knife. Oh, hold on a, a minute. A whopping great big thing. It was, it was so sharp you could use it to splice dust mites. Mm. And I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Uh, you know, the guy's a pool guy. He's, uh, the rum and... And I'm, ooh, um, my new bride says, he knows what he's doing. Let him know. <laughs> so she's completely entrusting him and his massive petrols. It's not her foot. Well, he's indeed. <laughs> so she sat there laughing because that's what people do, isn't it? Yeah. Especially if you're British and somebody close to you is in pain. Nothing funnier than a man running towards you with rum and an eight-inch knife. No, indeed. So uh, he then starts to operate on the back of my heel, and I, I'm not going to kid you, it was painful. Mm. Uh, but he got rid of every single one of those little spines that, that the urchin yeah. uh, releases into your feet. Uh, and there were a lot of them as well. Uh, and I was forever grateful um, to him for that. And, and I offered him the contents of my wallet, and he didn't need to flash his knife at me at all, but he wouldn't have a, no, really? wouldn't have a drink off me. No, uh, mind you, as I say, uh, he spoke no English and I spoke no Spanish, so perhaps he was saying, oh, Git, he didn't even offer me anything. But um, <laughs> but uh, he wouldn't take anything, wouldn't take anything, and, and I'm forever grateful. But whenever I go into water now, hmm. I'm not wearing a diving suit, but I am wearing yeah, yeah, sand shoes. Jelly shoes. Always, always. Seeing as you brought up Caribbean rum, I'm very hopeful for the drink you're going to offer me this week. Well, you've got, I'm going to disappoint you oh. in that case, because my drink this week is a glass of wine. Oh, oh well, that, I mean, you know, could be worse, could it? Um, and I think the thrust of this really is, because this is, this is down on price, the thrust of this is that if you bought a bottle of this, for this mm. price, would you drink it? Okay. I am talking about a Screaming Eagle Cabernet Sauvignon, uh -huh. 1992, which trips in approximately at $500,000 a bottle. Wow. $500,000. As far as I can see, it's the most expensive wine ever sold. Is it a cab sap, did you say? It's a Cab Sav. It's only a decade old or so. And at the time of purchase, the six-litre Screaming Eagle Cabernet Sauvignon 1992 bottle sold for a whopping half a million bucks. Mm. To whom? If you, I mean, somebody with more bloody money than cent. <laughs> I like a bottle of fine wine, which sounds a lot posher than it actually is. It just mm. means that... The, the grapes have been grown for years. They've reached a certain quality. Every single bottle will be pretty much as good as it can be. Mm. Not a ridiculous price. But half a million dollars? Yeah. That, what's that a glass, do you reckon? How many glasses in a bottle of wine? Oh, gosh. Four or five glasses? 
Yeah, if, you, if you've got a big glass as well. Yeah. So half a million divided by five yeah. is 100 grand a glass. Well, you'd be ter- I'd be terrified to... Well, for a start, it would have to be put in a cellar. Mm. And it would have to lie on its side. Otherwise, you risk corkage. Yeah. Nah. I just don't think I could enjoy it. No, I couldn't. I mean, I reckon the most I've ever spent on a bottle of wine is probably... 25 30 quid well i know the most the most i ever spent on a bottle of wine was 75 quid mm. and afterwards it was very nice but afterwards i was just thinking well that was bloody stupid <laughs> why on earth would anyone spend 75 quid i mean it, it doesn't sound so much these days but it, I'm, I'm talking about 20 years ago when it actually was 75 yeah. quid and and left you just feeling you pillock in a, in a restaurant earth? or Yes, it was in a restaurant. Yeah. Showing off. Yeah, you know, yeah. Being expansive, table full of folk, everybody. Was, and, and the bottle of champagne. I, 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 I once bought a large group of people champagne all the way around. Really? So that You've was, never done that for me. Oh, well, you know, you, <laughs> <laughs> you should come around. We've got some iron brew in, actually. <laughs> I'll treat you. And, and I was expansive and I bought champagne for everyone. And again... Afterwards, you think you bloody idiot. Well, because you know, it wasn't—it wasn't a wedding, it wasn't a birthday, it was just a lot of people who were probably drunk at the time. Mm. I'm sure they all remembered you very fondly the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, never see them again. <laughs> yeah. So the Screaming Eagle Cabaret, uh, Cabernet, the Screaming. <laughs> Have you had some? <laughs> so the Screaming Eagle Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, at five hundred thousand dollars a bottle, uh, doesn't get the thumbs up from Ben. Hundred grand a glass? Nah. No, can't be bothered. That's the most expensive drink I've offered you, and you couldn't even be bothered to have that one. <laughs> Got something you want to tell us? Email the far end of the bar at gmail.com or find us on Insta, Twitter, or Facebook using the hashtag TFEOTB. We've been talking about inventions already today. Have you heard of the James Dyson Award? Go on. It's an actual thing. It's an international award that is given to students who have invented or designed something that solves a problem. Obviously um, uh, funded by James Dyson, who you may or may not be a fan of. And there are many reasons why you may be and even more reasons why you may not be. But anyway, that's for another time. There's an illustrious list of former winners. Uh, amongst others, there are, there's the Reactive, a motion-activated LED safety jacket for cyclists. Nice. Emotion? Emotion-activated? Not emotion. Oh, motion. Motion. <laughs> <laughs> you, get, you get cut up by the van driver and it goes puce red. <laughs> Oh, no, I like the idea of an emotion activated. Yeah. yeah. We shall design that. That will be the next nomination for the James Dyson Award. Yeah, sending that off to Dragon's Den now. There's uh, the Long Reach, which is a water-floating device for saving victims who are struggling in the water. That's a long pole. Yeah. That's a, long, that's a telescopic long pole. And the Eco Helmet, which is a bicycle helmet made of paper. 
has the same ring to it as a chocolate teapot, doesn't it? it but does, apparently, it? works very well. So we used to do that thing of uh, in in the old days when um, the Sundays were nearly all broadsheets. Mm. Even the popular Sundays were broadsheets. Uh, the best part of the day was when everyone had finished reading the paper and then you could make them into an admiral's hat. Yes. When you drank your £500,000 bottle of wine, it, there indeed. you were, <laughs> making the admiral hat. Out of the news of the world. <laughs> 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 OK, well, anyway, this year's regional winner in Germany of the James Dyson Award is an ingenious gadget which aims to solve the age-old problem of reliable male contraception. It's a ball bath. Uh, German design graduate Emma Weiss came up with the idea after she was diagnosed with a medical condition which made her one of the many hundreds of thousands of women who are unable to take the pill or use other contraceptive solutions. She figured that her man should have to take some of the responsibility. Fair enough. Probably about time, it could be mm -hmm. argued. And so her device, which is called COSO, is described as an ultrasound-based, reversible, and hormone-free male contraceptive device for home use. Uh, I like the home use. Yeah. So you can't use it in a hotel. How does it work, I hear you ask? How does it work, Ben? Well, Richard, the user takes the device, fills it with water, and heats it to the preset temperature being very sure to only heat it to the preset temperature, and I'll tell you for why. When he's done that, he sits, legs akimbo, grabs hold of his balls, and places them gently in the device, at which point the testicles are hit or bathed with ultrasound for several minutes, and this apparently causes the suppression of spermatogenesis which basically renders the chap infertile for a, a little while so i mean i can't see any problems here all we need to I do i can see none i can see no problem whatsoever no. all we need to do is persuade men to incorporate the coso into their already exhaustive foreplay routines <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be able to teabag their way to worry-free rumpy pumpy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so excuse me, darling. Uh, <laughs> could we stop the. Oh, oh James. <laughs> yes, darling. James. I'm going to dangle your balls in the, the ultrasound there. <laughs> well, I'm just going to have a glass of uh, screaming eel cabernet. <laughs> Someone will be screaming, I reckon. Put on my Admiral's hat made from the News of the World and undangle <laughs> my testicles in this ultrasound device. And then perhaps. Oh, darling, you're asleep. <laughs> this is this is the i mean the old joke is that you know they've they, they've discovered this contraceptive pill for men it's it's very large and you put it in your shoe and it makes you limp mm. that's a very old joke but the, the the problem is with with men they can't be trusted no um w women had the pill and it was a question of them taking control of sex in the 1960s which a lot of males didn't like um, but they took control of sex, whereas with men, they can't be trusted. And I'm sure that the rigmarole, the more rigmarole there is to any male contraceptive device, the less likely the man is to actually want to use it. Yeah. And this won an award. It, it sounds great, doesn't it? But the actual application of it does need some work, I'd say. If you could speed it up, perhaps, or it could be developed into a pair of pants that you wear about for the day, 
uh, when you're hateful of having a bit of rumpy pumpy in the evening. If it could be made to be a bit more practical, then I can see a, a future for it. It takes the spontaneity out of everything, doesn't it? Well, moment, hang on a minute. I've got to turn me uh, electric underpants on. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little uh, insight into my underpants situation. They are not electric. Are they not? No. And the latest batch of underpants has driven me crazy because the labels scratch like hell, oh. even if you cut them out. Yeah, they're even worse then. So Yes, they are. So, your friendly host is now, <laughs> is now wearing his underpants inside out. <laughs> well... What is it with, I suppose, the rich people with the electric underpants? They, um, they don't have these problems, do they? I think you just need to establish a new source for your underpants. I mean, well, I've tried. Uh, underpants are very expensive. The, the further up market you go, the more expensive they become. Have you checked these out lately? It's like a bottle of, a bottle of wine, isn't it? It is. You can pay anything. <laughs> you can pay anything you like. But I'm not going to start buying my underpants at auction. <laughs> Pub quiz. Always up for a pub quiz. Three questions, three... And I'm, this, this week, um, we're very much following the traditional form of the pub quiz. So That's how we, I like it. We are in the cool waters of general knowledge. Okay. That's where we are. Uh, I'm going to give you three questions, and you're going to give me three answers. Maybe not now. Maybe you might like to have a think about these three questions. The first of which is this. Mm. I'm going to take you all the way back in time to the year of 2019. Oh, you can pick that far back. Feels a long time ago already. What was the most popular girl's name in the United Kingdom in 2019? I mean, it's probably something daft like Hedgerow. Anyway, okay, we'll come back to that. Popular girl's name in 2019 in the UK. There were always clues to these things with names because you have to think about the most popular films around, the most popular pop stars around. Um, I remember uh, in the late 80s, there was a whole generation of Kylies. Mm. There were uh, very much an Australian name. Uh, Kylie Minogue had popped up on Neighbours become a pop star and suddenly every other baby uh, in the UK was called Kylie. There was whole families with the Kylie and a Jason. There were. <laughs> Question number two. Yeah. What's, the, what's the currency of Denmark? Denmark. Denmark. Okay, well, I think, can I have a guess? I'll have a guess at that one now. Oh, go on then. One guess and if I'm wrong, yeah. I'll, I'll cogitate. Is it the Kroner? Kruna. Kruna. Tack. Kruna. It is the Kruna. It ah. is. Yes, well done. Yes. Well, one, one out of two already. <laughs> yeah, one out of two. And um, your third and final question, which you may wish to cogitate on, or you may wish to answer now. Mm. What is the smallest planet in our solar system? Oh, uh, here we go. There's going to be a lot of people saying a lot of things shouting. Yeah. Different answers. Okay, I'm going to have to think All about right. that because I think I know the answer, but then again, I think I've heard something differently recently. So, for the next few minutes, I shall cogitate at the back of my brain and see if I can sift through all the crap that's there. 
He's cogitating and sifting at the back of his brain again, everyone. <laughs>
Right, should we do the answers to the pub quiz? Yes. Right, let's round this thing off then. Um, two questions really to answer because we, we discern that the currency of Denmark is the krona. Yeah, I'm feeling confident because I'm already one for three. Okay, yeah. so what was the most popular girl's name in the UK in 2019? I've been racking my brains and trying to think of what was popular in 2019. And given that I'm not really aware of what's popular this year, <laughs> I mean, 2019 I'm really struggling with. I couldn't tell you a single film from 2019. Uh, I'd be struggling to name any pop stars from 2019, really. So, with bearing all that in mind, and my belief that it's almost certainly something ridiculous, I'm going to go with Sycamore. Sycamore. You're not a you're not a million miles out. With oh come on! That must be quite a way it, off. No, it was Olivia. Was it? Yes. And I can't find out why. Olivia. Because, as I said when I asked the question, surely these things um, are there in the zeitgeist because there's a singer or an actress or, or, or something. The, um, the actress. Well, Olivia Colman. Yeah. Well, I can't believe that Olivia Colman of the Crown fame was so famous in 2019 that suddenly all the girls were named after her. Didn't she win an Oscar? She did. Around then? Well, no. I, uh, was it earlier? Yeah, maybe. Yes. She did win an Oscar. It's the only liver I can think of. Well, it was the only one that I could think of as well. Yeah. But then I dismissed that thinking, well, surely not. But you never know, do you? You never know. Uh, and our third and final one, this is where things will get contentious. What is the smallest planet in our solar system? Go on, say it. Pluto. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Because it was a planet, and yes. then the boffins said yeah. it wasn't a planet anymore. Yeah, it was yeah. um, an exoplanet or something mm. else. And then there was a pushback, and people said, no, it is a planet, and it should be redesignated as such. But I don't know if it ever actually officially was. Uh, I'm not sure whether, yes, there was there was that, that great controversy as to whether or not Pluto was a planet or a dog. And it was definitely <laughs> decided that it was uh, not a planet. It was just a lump of rock. Right. And then they said, well, hang on a minute. No, we should redesignate it again. Now, whether or not they've done that, I don't know. But if you put Pluto to one side, what would be the other planet? that would be Mercury. The yeah, very good. Mercury. Yes. yes. Two except, out of three. Except when it's very hot and then it expands. Oh. And then it's bigger than one of the other planets. No, you, you're just forgetting your physics and chemistry now. <laughs> you say forgetting. Never <laughs> knew in the first place. <laughs> but that's just about it for us for this week. Two out of three, eh? Oh, well, that's, that's, that? very, that's the best you've ever done. I shall be walking around with a spring in my step. <laughs> with a large pill in your shoe. I shall be celebrating with a very expensive bottle of wine. And I shall be dangling my... No, I shall, I shall be doing that. <laughs> I shall be doing that. Until we're, uh, we're back here. From him and from me. Cheery bye. That's time at the far end of the bar. You've been listening to Richard Lewis and Ben Orr. If you enjoyed your time with us please don't forget to like and subscribe to make sure you catch the next episode. And find us on all the socials. Just search hashtag TFEOTB or email us 
at the far end of the bar at gmail.com. Cheers! <laughs>